0: Good morning, Jeff Stevens here, Sunday morning. It's before church, for some of you online church, for some of you drive in church, and uh, for some of us in the nation, um, back to inside of the church, and uh, people are coming out of the quarantine period that we've been in, a debatable word, but anyhow, as uh, the COVID-19 virus uh, curve flattens. We're seeing some things return to normal, some last week, and then some this week with church being one of those things. Um, And you know, when you talk about a quarantine or you talk about a period of time where people spend time away from each other or people have to spend time away from healthy people, almost nothing was as bad as what uh, the Jews had to go through during the exodus. If you've ever read through Leviticus and read through the Levitical law, there's some things that are, well, confusing for most of us. And gosh, they're, uh, they're pretty hard to understand Um, just how this process took place. It was very legalistic, and there's a lot of real particulars through it. But one of those particulars was dealing with uh, skin diseases or leprosy, and if you look into chapters 13 and 14 of Leviticus, you really get to look at what happened when somebody was sick to keep them away from the rest of the people in the camp so that nobody else would get uh, infected. That would have been, um, you know, the real reason for keeping people away. A little different than what we're doing these days, but back then, if you were sick, they'd keep you away from the healthy people. Um But when you look into chapter 14, it talks about that reintegration back into the community. Kind of like what we're doing now. Everybody's starting to look at getting reintegrated back into the community, especially our church community where people are going to see each other again. Um, In chapter 14, we see this whole process unfold where um, if a leper or a person with a skin disease uh, felt as though they were being healed or they were healed, they would have to go to a priest, and then that priest would bring, would go to them and they would there would be a cleansing process outside of the camp. So they could have been quarantined for a long, long period of time where they were away from people and they'd done uh, some ritual cleansings already and then were re-examined by a priest and then some more ritual cleansings were done And then the priest determined whether or not they needed to stay outside the camp. So this could have been a very long period of time. And then if they did heal or began to heal, they would be revisited by the priest. And uh, the priest would go outside the camp to visit them. And if they did heal, they would um, start a process of cleansing that they would have to go to. It's a process where they would go through... um, Ritual sacrifices of birds and burnt offerings, blood offerings, sin offerings. There would ritual cleansings, shavings, uh, taking their clothes and burning them. Um, there would be a seven day period where they waited, and then they would go through more cleansings on the eighth day, and then there would be lambs that were killed. They would be sacrificed as sin and burnt offerings, and there would also be. Uh, flour and grain offerings and oil offerings and then revisitations by the priest and then reintegration into the community but not able to stay inside of a tent where there were more cleansings and then blood offerings where you know the, the, the priest would utilize uh, um, uh, blood of an animal and dip his fingers in it and touch the patient or victim or sick person, whatever you want to call them and basically put a mark upon them. And uh, there was this whole process to where the person was reintegrated back into society. And then there was also a process for those um, Jews who could not afford all of the um, offerings. So if you couldn't afford all of the lamb And the number of offerings. There was kind of the abridged version for those who maybe did not have as much. So they, the Levitical priests had a um, a process for kind of the regular folks, and then for the poor of the community, so that they were able to make their way back into the community. And of course, we don't practice that today. Of course, we're sick. We go to the doctor, and we we try to get healed and. You know, we try to reintegrate based on how we feel in a doctor's exam. But I think what makes this really relevant to us today is when we're coming out of sin, uh, when we're coming out of unbelief into belief, or whether we're a believer who spent some time, what we can call, you know, in the desert, where um, we walked away from God and now we're coming back to the church or we're coming back to the body of Christ, we're coming back to faith in him. And I think we can make a decent parallel where we say, we do not have to go through a cleansing process, a physical cleansing process, um, as people who live in Christ. So the what we can pull together from this is that this person was really, shamed when they were put outside of their village. I mean this is really a sign you're outside the camp. You might be able to see your own camp in the distance and it's like I am shamed. I'm I'm you know, I'm living in this kind of sinful outside the community world and everybody's going to know what's wrong with me. But when I go back in people are still going to know that I was sick, that I had a disease. I'm going to be living outside my tent. I'm going to be bald. I'm going to have to visit the priests. There's all these sacrifices that go on. I'm going to be marked with this blood. People are going to know, and it's going to be shameful. I can't even imagine, you know, having this first, this horrible skin disease where, you know, you've got this uh, marked up flesh that's coming off and gross. And now, even if you're healed, there's a period of time where, you know, people are going to stay away from you. People aren't going to look at you the same. They're not going to think that you're clean. And it's very shameful. Well, for us who live under the new covenant, the covenant of Jesus Christ, when we come out of sin, when we come out of unbelief, there is no more shame. When we accept Christ, we are welcomed into the body. There's no... Um, process that we need to go through to see a priest or to see a holy man where we need to mark ourselves in a certain way. There are not steps that we need to take that make us better. We don't need to sacrifice any sort of animal. We don't have to do any specific sort of prayer. We don't have to make any specific alms. There's nobody that you can pay to make it better. There is nothing physically that you can do or that somebody can do for you to take away shame, to take away sin, to take away pain. The reality is Jesus Christ accepts us in that pain, in that sin, in that shame, and he cleanses us. So there's a whole other conversation about repentance where I, 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 you know the Bible does support a turning away from our sin, so we shouldn't be continuing to live in that sin. And then, of course, process of sanctification where we... Uh, become more holy through our Christ-like living. But that aside, when we step out of sin or we step out of sinfulness or step out of our unbelief into Jesus Christ, we step out without having to uh, have any shame. Uh, I, you know, And I think there's good support for that. When we look in the New Testament, we can look in places like Matthew 11. Christ tells us in Matthew 11 and verses 28 to 30, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So he's telling telling us we can rest in him. Whatever we were in before that was burdening us, whatever was holding us down, whatever weight we were carrying, we take it off. He's gonna give us that rest. And he also tells us, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, lowly in heart and you will find rest Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's important to understand that Jesus is telling us that you come to me and I'm going to take this sin from you. I'm going to pull it away from you and I'm going to clean you. He's going to fill us with the Holy Spirit when we're saved. And then a sanctification process begins. But there's nothing that we need to do. He does not at any point say, come to me and offer animals or come to me. And do these specific little bits and pieces, and then you know you will start a process where you're reintegrated into the body of Christ, or when you are, um, or, or where you know you have to prove that you are a member of the body of Christ. Um, if anything, um, we come without any sort of judgment, as in John five and verse twenty-four. Uh, Christ tells us truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So there's no, you know, seven day or eight day waiting period where there's still a process or a judgment that happens. We move right into uh, the body of Christ and into salvation, where due to his Propitiation due to his work on the cross. We are saved, we are cleansed, we move away from that time where we were outside of the body or outside of that tent city as it would have been like for the Jews and now we live in the camp. And I think that's a really important thing to remember because I think that's part of what gives us hope when we are saved. It gives us hope when we are hopeless. It gives us hope when we don't know what is next and when we feel like we're not good enough. And I can't imagine for the Jew back then, thousands of years ago, you know, with some sort of skin disease, that they look at the camp and they think to themselves, I'm not good enough to be in there. And then even as they begin to heal with the hope of moving in the camp, there's gonna be a period of time where they're still not good enough. There still needs to be sacrifices made for them. There still needs to be a process and a blood offering Well, for us, Christ was that blood offering. It was done 2,000 years ago on the cross. He did all of that work for us. There is nothing that we can do, could do, should do, or will do that can make that happen. He has already done it for us. So my encouragement today is that for those of you who might hear this message, who are living outside the camp, whether you're an unbeliever or you're a believer who has walked away, or whether you are a believer who is living in some sort of shame because there's sin or pain or anguish in your life of some sort, I would just encourage you that you'd come back to Christ and allow that shame to just be set aside. Allow him um, to carry that weight for you and give you rest. Allow him to actually have done that work for you on the cross. He did it. He, there's nothing you can do. It's already done. Um, he paid for all of your sin, and there's no more shame in that. So you can rest easy knowing that you have been saved and that there will be a process where you are perfected. And then, of course, at some point, because of his work, um, you will be glorified and you will live in eternity with him uh, in paradise. So uh, for those of us that this is probably the last week or maybe the last of two weeks where we are um, in church quarantine, hopefully we'll get back to the church body the way it was before or something that looks closer to it. Uh, And my hope for all of you who uh, have been craving that church body is that your time at home has been one where you've been able to dig into your family and learn more and study more, but that you are hopeful that you will get back into your church body and spend time with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And um, that is my prayer for this weekend. For those of you who do have church, we are getting together. very happy for you. It's going to be a great weekend. And for the rest of us, we'll get back to watching church on TV. So have a blessed week.